Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Dylan Bentlodge from Only Real Fans of KT Productions. Today, we're going to be talking about horror films, specifically the works of Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, and Jordan Peele, along with a few other movies. I'm joined by Brian Riley, my co-host as always, and Soft Girls and Boys Club's Tom Richards and Ben Webster. It was a lot of fun recording this podcast today, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. Thanks. Do it. We're live, man. Let's get freaky. Fuck it. Let's do it live. <laughs> Let's do it live. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, where do we even want to start? There's a lot of fucking movies on this month, man. There is a lot. Yeah, there are. Did you watch uh, all of them too, Tom? So I've seen all of them. I was going to rewatch The Witch, and I haven't had a chance. So instead, I've watched like a sort of 20-minute summary just to kind of refresh <laughs> myself on that ah, film. Nice. So I feel quite ashamed that I haven't rewatched it properly. Yeah. Um, I haven't Is watched Gerald's. I haven't watched Gerald's game yet, and Brian wants to talk about that one too. Mm-hmm. And I f- I'm kind of ashamed mm-hmm. that I didn't. I I was too scared. I'm still too scared. Why? Well, there's there's really. <laughs> you watch Hereditary. There's no reason to be scared of Gerald's yeah, game. Yeah, it's a different kind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know, man. Sometimes trailers just like fuck. Gerald's up. not that bad of a guy. <laughs> it's the fact that I've He's read misunderstood. I, I read that Mike Flanagan. Um, he like purposely fucks with sound in order to like even get the people who close their eyes for the scary parts. I'm the type of person that closes his eyes during the scary parts. So, <laughs> and if I still have to hear scary shit, I don't know if I can handle it. Like just like gross stuff. Right. And I know there's a dog yeah. in or something eating her at some point. I have no idea. It's Oh good. yeah. You guys. Can totally... eat. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I, I would say, uh, yeah, this movie's not exactly scary it's like got some like imagery that's like kind of uncomfortable like this moonlight man character he's just a fucking weird looking guy um i really don't understand it definitely is the sound it is like the sound of like things that happen that are just uncomfortable like i'm hearing it and i'm just there's a lot of times i was never scared but i'm watching i just kept saying oh god oh oh god it totally didn't go the way i thought that film was gonna go i thought it was gonna be like a straight up sort of uh, m- just maybe a bit gory, a bit violent, but it sort of it it went a bit rapey, and and and, and like a bit oh god, it was, it was a bit a lot darker mm-hmm. than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, the whole like ending thing with like we're saying with that kind of what what was his what was he called that kind of weird guy the Moonlight Man. Yeah, the I, moon, I really the didn't Moonlight Man. I like that. Yeah, and it's. I don't know that. I guess that's one of those things that kind of goes into that. You're like, oh yeah, of course. That'll be our King. our collab album. Will be called the Moonlight Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I may I may watch it tonight. Although I feel like I kind of got horrored out. I made my girlfriend watch all of them with me because she hasn't seen any of them, mm-hmm. and I was really surprised that Hereditary. Yeah, it's my third time watching that, and that still gets me. Like, mm. if, if anything, that shit gets worse, man. Like, because you almost, you know where it's where it's going, and you mm. just sit in anticipation, and mm. you're waiting for it to get there, and you know how fucking awful it's going to be. And you, like, honestly, what I tell myself when I'm watching that movie is, it's only like 10 minutes at the end. Like, I have to tell yeah. myself that it will be over yeah. very soon. That movie is terrifying, man. But that that's what is great about it, is that film is like, all build up to that like final sequence where it's just like yep. a gradual decline the whole the whole time like nothing gets better at any point it's just just worse just getting worse the whole time oh it's man terrifying i think the first time i watched uh, it, i didn't notice the mom in the corner 
then the second yeah. time I went and oh, watched God. it, saw that, and then that was the, rough. Dude, I pointed out. You mean to, when she's like up in the air? Yeah, like like she. Oh, yeah, she's like, like a spider. Oh, in that God. scene, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, "Up, oh, it's over." <laughs> Dude, I kept telling my girlfriend because honestly, none of the other ones are that scary. I mean, maybe with the exception of it, it is pretty. It can get you here or there. It's a bit more jump scary. But mm. if like the the six ones, which I guess we should say because I don't know if we even mentioned which ones they were. But so no. Get Out, Us lighthouse which midsummer and hereditary us no. us was on the list it was a nah it was like an extra one like maybe oh, okay. if you want to do it get out was definitely on the list but i would say none of them are actually that scary they're like a different uh, genre us can be kind of scary it has some Poppy scary moments, moments. scary moments mm. but like fucking hereditary man i watched all the other ones first I told my girlfriend let's watch hereditary she's like all right whatever like sure but these aren't that scary she likes the like really scary shit and i was like i'm telling you this one will get you and no matter how much i hyped it up because you get worried if you hype something up it might actually not be that good <laughs> she fucking flipped like that was the worst hour and a half ever for <laughs> unbelievable I honestly i feel really bad for the actress who played like the young daughter because like i just feel like she goes into school and everyone <laughs> just like walks away from her like oh god don't yeah. do the thing <laughs> after that dude i i recorded myself doing that on my phone just the and then i i, fucking, I put a bluetooth speaker underneath my roommate's bed <laughs> started playing that and he came out he goes which one is fucking with me like immediately that was really amazing cool. i can't believe i've not thought of that before that's brilliant. that was great man i mean we after watching these movies it was the best thing to do is just scare your friends a little bit you know <laughs> Yeah, man. Which one do you guys think is the scariest? Then you think Hereditary or is it? Uh, I I think Hereditary. I think I think Midsummer was it got me in a sort of different way because because it's all set in the day. Yeah, there's there's mm-hmm. nothing sort of outright scary about it. It's just the whole thing is just sort of there's just sort of like a overall feel like uneasy feeling about the whole thing, and and I find sometimes that sort of stuff mm. gets me a little bit worse because you're sort of waiting for you know the the horrible shit but it it just kind of plods along and it's just getting slightly creepier and weirder sort of all the time did you see it while you were living in copenhagen did that fuck I, I, I i did i watched it again probably two two weeks ago and oh, and boy. it's it's scarily similar he, he's yet to leave his house yeah. <laughs> it's scarily similar to like all of their christmas stuff like, are you the, serious oh my god everything's so like pleasant but in a, a weirdly dark way <laughs> I, I me and ben have spoke about this before and i was saying that i feel like hereditary is like a more of a this is like a straight up horror movie but like ben was saying because it's with midsummer it's all like in the daytime and there's that it's that un- uneasy feeling of like and i think just the whole cult thing i've always personally found that like really terrifying the whole like being able to brainwash someone to a point where they've just totally forgotten you know what life was like before and they're going along with these things and doing things like you know willingly but normalizing that shit yeah 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 exactly so and there is just so much like these like wide shots in that film where there's so much going on in the background you know in there's like a lot of people like hugging but or they like stare at each other for like a prolonged amount of time which is like just notice that kind of there's, there's a lot of that when they first get to um What's the place called? Is that like Haga? Is that the, yeah. like the sort of 
yeah, they first get there and there's sort of, sort of like shot that kind of pans across of everyone like doing bits and bobs. But there's these two guys just kind of stood staring at each other, like holding arms. Mm. And it's just really something really eerie about that. But like, obviously it's just so beautiful. You know, there's all these colors and stuff. It's yeah. weirdly inviting. Like you were saying, like, yeah. it's in the daytime and it seems so friendly. Um, yeah. And I noticed the second time watching it, they have like s- some shots where people break the fourth wall. Did you guys see that? Like when they, like the guy turns and looks at the camera, they have that. Yeah. Yeah. The boyfriend too doing that. And uh, what's boyfriend's name? Christian. But Mm-hmm. That shit's that shit was creepy to me. It was like it was like this weirdly inviting, like why aren't you joining us type of feeling, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, I bet you could make a great horror movie about some Mormons in Colorado <laughs> or sorry in Utah or something. The same <laughs> eerily, like yeah. eerily nice people. That's uh mm-hmm. yeah, that's be a Mitt Romney biopic because he's a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of uh, like that reminds me of like Hot Fuzz, like the almost like all the characters in yeah. Hot Fuzz that uh, Simon Pegg movie, also just super friendly. And like culty, mm-hmm. and that shit's that shit's just uneasy. But the greater I think, good. I think that's what makes it like <laughs> hit so well, though, because usually like any sort of typical horror movie, it's like night times when the bad stuff happens. So like during the day, mm-hmm. you know, everything's like pretty okay. Like maybe something like a weird chill of the wind will happen, but like nothing yeah. fucked up's gonna happen till the night. And this one's just like, nope, it's bright, it's beautiful out. Yeah, so colorful. And I watched it in like the middle of the day, like a nice hot summer day. And I was watching it for the first time. I was like, oh, I'm weirdly in the right environment to watch this movie right now. It's mm. really cool as well that the whole movie starts out really dark. Like if you look at like the green, yeah. even everything's at night and it's it's eerie and scary. And like all the horror that, um, what's her name? Danny? Yeah, uh, has to go through beforehand. Like you can see why this looks so inviting, you know? Mm. Um, yep. I was a little confused well, there's though. Also, I was there's a like a mural on... in the beginning that shows the whole course of events in the beginning of the movie, yeah. and it starts dark yeah. and then it gets brighter. Really? Yeah, right at yeah. the beginning, mm-hmm. it had plant, pl- sort of plots out the whole film like event by event. No way. I, I love that, that though. It's almost like Easter eggs in films, isn't it? And they're kind of yeah. just like, there it is, boom. Well, yeah. Like Brian wait, what, me... what have we just seen? Brian told me that all the the drawings on the back of the like walls are just dicks, and I was like, "Is that really true?" He's like, "Yeah, there's a shit ton of dicks just on all the back yeah. of the walls." I was, I was looking at behind the scenes that. photos and just like, yeah, all the paintings on the wall in some way like form a dick. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. That's funny. They got well. they got they got Jonah Hill in to uh, <laughs> to just draw. <laughs> it's a phase, man. It's like ten percent of kids or something. <laughs> But I thought that the I got a little confused in that movie with the just the course of events and their ritual. I think that's the only place like I got a little lost. I couldn't tell if this was a thing they do every year because they mention how they always mm. pick a May Queen or if this is once in like what do they say, ninety years or something, that they do this like sacrifice. Yeah. I was a bit do you guys know what the like is this like a yearly thing? They just bring people back and kill them? I th- it it doesn't really ex- explain. I think it they say it because they do it in like quarters of your life cycle or something like that. Like sort of. Yeah. Yeah. They split the life into seasons, yeah. don't they? Into the four yeah. seasons. And... But so f- from that, it sounds like, yeah, they did it once every, whatever it was, 90, 70 years. I don't know. But it, yeah, it was, it didn't, it didn't really explain whether that was sort of something that they do all the time or they never it bring probably back. <laughs> wouldn't be though right because they yeah, he... they're all friends with pele um 
you know, for a good few years or something. And now he's mm. inviting them to his home, like to the cult. You think he would have done that the first year he knew him if that was yeah. the case. That's just the yeah. weirdest. That was the weirdest uh, thing for me to kind of wrap my head around that. Like he seemed like such a genuinely good dude, you know, like a, it, it seemed like they were really good friends and he was a nice guy and he was like mm. absolutely totally cool with them just murdering all of his buds, <laughs> which I think would it's just, I, there was no, there was no, indication to me that that's where that was going maybe that was intentionally done but really i i felt like straight off off the bat with with him just like like i was saying about like the intense stairs there's a lot of him and like the scenes with danny before they go to sweden where he's just kind of looking at her in this way and it's like mm, he's a he's a bad mm-hmm. egg like yeah he's obviously like luring them in kind of thing right. i got i definitely got that impression like first time watching it but yeah i know what you mean it's sort of he plays it incredibly well just being that sort of comfort blanket for like Danny all the way through the film to sort of like that kind of, I guess, aids her like turning at the end and, you know, completely switching when everyone's dead. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I feel like with, with Ari Aster films, both of these, he's someone that he's got, he's got a lot of like thematic things like built around the movie, but it is traditionally a story from like beginning to end. Like, I think he calls this one like a dark fantasy, like just like a really like kind of, like a modern day dark fantasy tale. And same with Hereditary. Very like, It's his. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry oh, it's his like breakup film, apparently. Yeah. He actually went like through a like a, yeah. a breakup and it's his sort of. Uh, he, he's, yeah. He's basically, basically he's just called it. It's not a horror film. It's a breakup movie in the most twisted way possible. I think um, the first one's also supposed oh, to be like. Well, I, I feel bad for <laughs> his muse on that one. <laughs> she must not be feeling too hot about herself after I, watching this. I, I heard the first one's like about grief, like supposed to be really about like grief yeah. and loss, um, which I think he does a good job of, but there's nothing more to read in there past the past just it being surrounded by grief. Like, I don't think that there's like, deeper meanings and hereditary about like what loss is about except the fact that the whole story is built around it i don't know if you guys have seen like baba duke but that's like so fucking theme mm. heavy on like yeah about w- grief and loss yeah i watched that really recently actually um yeah. and i think i remember like did like looking up some stuff about it and it was sort of saying that someone's like there was like a metaphor for sort of depression yeah. and, and sort of saying you know at the end where it's like locking it away saying it's like always going to be there it's yeah. just kind of keeping it at bay you but know, and then being able to fully get rid of it. I just thought that was quite clever. That shit, though, is so, it's really good, but I think it was really on the nose. And like with yeah. Ari Aster, I think he just uses it as a step, a branching off point to make a cool story. Mm. And if you look at like Eggers, because I actually think I like Eggers better, uh, like The Lighthouse and The Witch. I think those mm. are so allegory heavy. Like they're like The Lighthouse, man, is got so much shit that you can extrapolate from it. Like, and mm. it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but you, you're somehow just yeah, captivated by the whole thing. Like, I think that was, uh, that one's probably my favorite one. Just mm. everything yeah. about that movie is fucking nuts, man. I agree. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is oh phenomenal. That's that his, like best performance. Ever. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, and, and Robert Pattinson is, is very good as well, but like, yeah, there's something about Willem Dafoe in that film. It's just so his accent is so thick in it. It's, like I, I had, I had to watch yeah, it with subtitles. Just, like when it, he goes on his long rant about like, <laughs> oh, I can't remember what he's saying, but he, is it? 
It sounds like a nautical Shakespeare. Yeah. It just sounds mm, like yes. a, yeah. nautical Shakespeare. Yeah. A drunk nautical Shakespeare. <laughs> That's exactly what he sounds like. My favorite line in the entire movie is when they have they run out of fucking booze and they mix that shit together and he oh drinks it and he goes, monkey what? pump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was dying at that last night. It's it's isn't it honey and like gasoline? It's literally it's honey and gasoline. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That genuinely like, was the thing, wasn't it? Honey doesn't yeah. have that much flavor to it. So the fact that they thought that that would drown out the gas <laughs> taste was just, yeah. the, you know, Unbelievable. <laughs> wishful like, thinking. Unbelievable. That movie's so, I mean, what's really interesting to me about that one is it's constantly going back and forth on which one you should be rooting for in a way where you're still rooting for those two characters. Like mm. there's, mm-hmm. you, you run a risk of making two unlikable people that you just don't want to see more of then. Because if, you, if you're constantly back and forth on which one you think is the good guy or should succeed or whatever, you can also come away thinking, oh, the, both those guys are assholes. Like I, I just watched a movie where every character has some serious baggage and eventually you just hate everybody, right? <laughs> but in this one, it, it's constantly back and forth. Like I think that I, they're just both I, yeah. really interesting people that you like in one scene and then another scene you're like, buddy's kind of an asshole because of this. <laughs> I hope he survives, though. It's very, very uh, back and forth. I think it's probably because, in a way, they're they're evenly matched. Because um, the Tom, Willem Dafoe Tom, because they're both named Tom, um, his previous, um, I don't what I don't know. I don't forget the name. His like right hand man. The last time he may or may not have killed him. You know, he he couldn't last. He couldn't make. He couldn't handle like being there with him for a long period of time and that seems to be you kind of pick up that that seems to be the general theme that's been going on like everyone who's with Willem Dafoe at this lighthouse can't stand it Mm. but even though he's losing his mind Tom Howard uh, Robert Pattinson is kind of like his match like Willem Dafoe's met his match in a way so like they both can't really top each other so they're both just like uh, hitting heads like bumping heads and they're just an even match so you're just watching these two guys who are both just fucking weirdos <laughs> and going crazy just trying to outdo each other and that just makes it like a very interesting watch i mm. also uh, i watched it for the second time last night and the first time i watched it i was very much so watching it with the point of view of thinking that robert pattinson is just going crazier and crazier and willem defoe's not really doing anything to make him go crazy yeah but then i watched it last night with the point of view of Willem Dafoe everything he's doing is making Robert Pattinson go crazy so like um the first time I was Willem Dafoe's innocent and Robert Pattinson's just losing his mind on the lighthouse and this time Willem Dafoe is the reason he is making everything he's saying and doing to manipulate and confuse Robert Pattinson is making him go crazy so there's like two ways you can approach watching that movie which is really cool Absolutely. Do you think that he killed his last lighthouse hand? Because I never actually, I I never watched it in the in thinking that actually happened. I I genuinely think that Robert Pattinson was going crazy and just was seeing shit because of the mermaid and because of like the logs and the dead body. I automatically assumed that he did not find a head in the lobster pot. But I mean, mm. do you think he did? Like, is there another way to read that thing? I. I don't think. Uh, well, every time he sees it, it's when he's hallucinating. Yeah, exactly. So, it's probably not. I think. I think with like the the madness being the main theme, you can't. You find it hard to sort of believe anything in that in that film yeah. because mm. everything's just sort of 
mental all the time <laughs> and you, you kind mm. of because it's sort of switching so much you, you don't really know which is sort of daydreams or dreams and what's actually happening and it's kind of it's kind of just very confusing <laughs> yeah i mean i had to watch a couple like uh like tom what you were saying i had to watch a couple videos to like explain mm. particularly the witch i kind of like the ambiguity in uh the lighthouse i i enjoy that there's a lot of things you go crazy too watching it yeah and i kind of like that like i almost don't want to like read into it too much because i think there's a lot of decisions made in that movie just solely because it's cool like i read somewhere that uh one of edgar's um influences or like ideas was to make um willem dafoe and uh and robert pattinson based off greek gods like, I guess, like, Robert Patton's supposed to be Prometheus. That's why he ends with the seagulls eating his gut. And, like, he wants to steal fire from the from Olympus, which is the lighthouse. But you don't have to read too deep in there past the fact that it's just a fucking cool, uh, you know, metaphor or analogy. Mm. Um, but for The Witch, I had to read, like, watch a couple videos and things to, like, break down what was going on. Do you think that makes a bad movie or... Um, or is it is it okay? Is it still a good movie if you have to watch a bunch of videos to to explain it to you? That's the question. Nah, I, I I always sort of do it for like I feel like a lot of films that I will do that for I I'll understand, but it's like you know sort of validating that I've like followed it properly and like yeah okay yeah that that's what I had sort of thought was happening you know when I was watching it sort of thing or just to hear like you know someone break it down in a different way because obviously these kind of films I think especially with like Ari Aston and Robert Eggers. I think that all films that that deserve a second, third watch, absolutely, because they're just, you know, they're not it's sort of, oh yeah, I've seen that, I get that now, kind of thing. They're they're all worth like, I, they kind of don't really stay. Some things stay with you, I think, with them, but they're definitely like with the witch. I remember like really, really enjoying that, but it's like fragmented when I think to like what I remember about it. So you know, I'd want to go back and kind of give it another watch because there's so much going on. I guess it's really no different. It's not that different than just listening to like even this podcast, just like people talking about the movies Mm -hmm. to get to gain a new perspective. Because like Brian, what you just said, I never actually watched it from the perspective that Willem Dafoe is manipulating. And now I'd almost want to go rewatch that in order to like see it in that view. Um, But yeah, these movies are not ones that you can just get on a single single watch. They're a subgenre of horror, like very allegorical. Like, yeah. I, I was telling Brian beforehand that I think this is like where we are right now with horror films. Mm-hmm. I need to pronounce that properly because otherwise people think I'm saying horror films. Um, <laughs> <laughs> horror films. Um, uh, I think that we're like very much in the same place right now as the 80s were for action movies. Like in the 80s, I feel like the action movies were fucking abundant as shit. Like you had like bruce willis and arnold schwarzenegger and fucking stallone and all these like dudes just making a shit ton of like unbelievably great cool action movies but mm-hmm. now in the last like 10 years even past the list that we had to watch for this podcast there's so many fucking amazing horror movies coming out right now and they're they're not just like oh halloween three or some shit like you can get ones that are like they... well there is one coming in but yeah. <laughs> yeah i know i'm not saying just not only like that but like Ones that you can watch over and over again and break them down and just, even for someone who hated horror beforehand, now I love it because this shit's just mm-hmm. so interesting. Like, yeah, you guys I, was, seen... I was there oh, with right. you too, Dylan. I hated yeah. horror too because like all the ones that were around when I was growing up, you know, it was like Paranormal Activity, 
um, Saw, uh, I, The Conjuring. I went back and watched The Conjuring, though, and I really liked it. But, you know, a lot of them were just, they were made for the sake of, like, jump scares. No more than that. A lot of them. Yeah. And, like, these ones, you know, I always like a good plot. So if I'm going to get scared, I want it to be for, like, a little more than just being scared. So mm-hmm. these just have a lot of substance. These are horror movies with a purpose. Do any of these have jump scares? Out of like the main six, not like I mean, if we're including it, uh, which we can also talk about soon, like yeah. that has some jump scares. But the, the main mm-hmm. six ones, the Jordan Hereditary, Pilar, I think Hereditary is the only one that has like a few. Yeah, it's like where's well, the jump scare? Well, th- well, think about like when you see the mom up against the wall. We see that for the first time. Um, that definitely makes you jump a little bit. But then also, isn't it? Then they do the full like three sixty around them, and then she's right behind them, right? Yeah, yeah. Something like she, she like she goes from you see her in the corner for a split second, and then they kind of like she wrap like her crawls around and oh yeah she yeah okay that's fucking scary <laughs> that's that's fucking terrible. I'm not if saying I that saw it's not a forty five year old woman spider crawl along <laughs> my house in the middle of the night i would jump and crack my pants <laughs> i'd die i just die man i would honestly i would, don't know what i'd do i'd uh, grab the fucking piano rope and just do it myself <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's but I, when i think of a jump scare i always think back to insidious did you guys ever see insidious yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah you remember that scene where they're sitting at the table and the woman goes like and then it cuts back to fucking oh, Patrick Wilson, and that's like that Darth Maul <laughs> motherfucker is right there. Like, yeah, you know, like, that, and, that they, ruined and me. like <laughs> that's like uh, that's to me like when they put the music in, and you know it's like that's the most like when someone bends down and then looks in the mirror, and there's someone there, and then like it goes Wah! like you're like oh fuck, <laughs> like that's cheap and easy, even hereditary. It's silent when she's crawling. Like, I don't think there's any indication it should be like a pop scare moment, right? Mm. But the other ones, That's... none of them have any jump scares, I think. No, I'm struggling no, to think of it. It's just jaw dropping, uncomfortable bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe Jordan Peele's films. Jordan Peele's films are, I think, the most allegorical because they're super, like, about either uh social trends or like you know like apparently simon was yeah. saying like a lot of uh, us is about class and obviously yep. uh uh get outs a lot about um, um uh, i would say just like african-americans in like the u.s and like uh the i don't know i honestly don't know like i had to break that one down i'm still that one yeah. still is really difficult for me to to fully grasp i'd say Biggest takeaway is that Obama definitely should have had a third time. <laughs> <laughs> the second time watching it, though, I really noticed, uh, or I noticed something else that like blew my mind, or not blew my mind, but made me look at it in a different way. Is originally I really forget thought out. it was about, yeah, forget out, yeah. I originally really read it or like watched it in the lens of like uh, white Americans and Black Americans, right, and like they're kind of. Um, yeah, the Discord that's in the U.S. right now with that. Um, but when I watched it again, I noticed that they have like a Japanese dude also bidding on um, like like uh, what's his name in the movie? Is it also Chris? Now I'm like blanking. Yeah, what's isn't the guy's Chris. name? Yeah, Chris, the main. He's character? also yeah. 
The main character, yeah. He's they also have like the Japanese dude bidding on this guy, and I was thinking, oh wow, okay, so actually I need to get out of my own fucking head of like trying to equate this to like me as a white guy because it actually has nothing to do with white people. It's completely about just like I guess cultural appropriation would be the best way to describe it. I'd say mm. in some sorts, or is that is oh. that not how you read it? That it was it was another it was another yeah. one of those films that totally didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. I thought initially um when when they sort of you know came out and and did the sort of bidding thing i thought it was going to go down at the sort of it was going to be like a a rich people poor people sort of class sort of thing but it did have like weird like sort of supernatural elements that i, I totally didn't see coming with the sort of transferring the consciousness mm. to like other people sort of thing yeah, but I thought that too. And then I watched it again. And then they try to explain it by saying like, well, she's a therapist and like it hypnotizes. And then the guy's a neurosurgeon yeah. <laughs> and apparently can literally take your brain and put it in someone else's body. Um, so they try to explain it, But yeah, it feels weirdly supernatural. Yeah. Same same way in mm-hmm. like us, man. Because us is like they try to explain it as like the government made copies. Like the government man made copies <laughs> of everybody. And that's like a... <laughs> that's, that's also like a weak explanation, yeah. if you ask me. I just think it's take it more fantasy level, right? Yeah. I would say, though, I think the uh, maybe I'm thinking too deep into this, but I also feel like the inclusion of the uh, the Asian man at the auction it just had it. It's more of like the general like race groups that are prejudiced or racist towards um, like black people in america because like i'm only thinking mostly about like do the right thing the spike lee movie mm-hmm. and how the uh i think it was like a japanese like market owner korea i think it's korean market yeah korean market yeah and he like you know he couldn't stand all the black people that were around and like the street like didn't trust any of them thought they were awful and probably a recurring theme especially in like cities like that in new york um so the whole auction thing it just it goes it definitely just goes beyond like the white folk i guess and that's probably the point is like the racism goes beyond just like white versus black yeah i think it would have been interesting if they also had like rich black people um at the auction you know like really so like maybe that would have gone too much into class which is his next movie but i think that would have made it also very interesting to kind of go into a deeper thing about just like also position in society you know, like, because mm-hmm. the because the guy that eventually buys him is trying to make this claim. He's like, I don't care about your color. It's just about uh, oh, just yeah, about you your, your skills. Right? I just want your the skills, eyes. like your eyes, man. And it doesn't matter to me what race you are. And it would have been interesting to like, like, because I don't know how to read it. If like these people are specifically racist to and like all black people or if they were just like racist towards like a specific class right like they try to like break that down like part of me wants to part of me thinks it's more interesting if you actually believe that the dad did vote for obama right like he's not just saying that he's act he yeah. actually did that and then he's still doing this shit like he's justifying his like fucking mistreatment of people while also just saying like well i'm not actually racist it's just more of like a just like your position in society no big deal like and i mm. i don't know maybe that would be a totally different way to read it but i think that'd make it also very interesting yeah wait well wasn't uh i haven't seen the movie in a little bit um but wasn't like 
wasn't there a comment at one point? Maybe it was from Steven Root, the blind guy, but that they were purposefully doing it to black people because something about, you know, they thought that they had like better, you know, the better genes or something that would improve like what they were lacking, like the eyes or. Um, I said, I like, guess he just said it was in, right? Because like you, if you see him when he's being paraded around that party, like you have some dudes that are like, oh, I, one dude's like, I want to be better at golf. Uh, and then it's such a weird, like, I don't think that would actually help you. <laughs> that's one of the nope. sports where that's one of the sports where I don't think that actually like really just wouldn't make much of a difference. He's like 80 years old and there's plenty of amazing golf. Golfers. Golf's the whitest sport ever anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's, there's a, there's another guy that's just like, it's in fashion, right? So I think like their kind of argument is like, that's why I read it as cultural appropriation, because part of what I think is that what they're parading around to say um, is that like people want to consume a lot of stuff from African-American culture. It's like really, really yeah. popular to do that. And mm. we, we almost want to make it our own without really understanding what it is. Um, personally that's how I, re I read that yeah that's a good way to look at it i think yeah looking back i i think you're you're right it's like the way to interpret it That's the one where they're all they've all got like a, a weird copy of them and they're wearing those sort of weird masks. It's that one. Is it that one? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, they're all, yeah, they live below. It's like their shadow. I think it's their shadow. Like well, like in a way. It's like their shadow. And hmm. they've yeah, the whole class theme of like those shadow people are repressed um, and forced to live underground and the main character was one of those people and she got out and her real version is trying to come back ah uh, yeah okay but, yeah but that movie the way that um lupita i can never remember her last name but when she plays like the the shadow version like the way that she talks it's like very like crackly and like broken yeah yeah it horrifies <laughs> me every time like yeah that was unreal that really that shaking me up <laughs> that really yeah. shook me up that part like sound like she's gasping for air while holding mm. the scissors well it's because she got her windpipe crushed right that's like the like the girl like crushes her like like windpipe like her copy at least that's how uh, i read it because otherwise there's no reason why she should talk oh about i that. thought it was just because she couldn't they didn't really know you know how to read and write and, and speak and like she vaguely did because she was a real she was from like the above. She yeah, was a real she was girl. Like, uh, Pinocchio, man. <laughs> then she be then she became Pinocchio. Um, so like, really funny. I've been having this debate with my girlfriend recently about uh, about clones 
and how she's like clones are people too and i'm like well clones don't exist yet but i mean if they did like the argument of like if you had clones you could like take their like organs and stuff when you needed it like you had an exact copy but it's actually a person so we had this debate and then we watched us and then she totally switched her position on clones she doesn't want no clones what's <laughs> I, but I read it that way that she got her windpipe crushed because otherwise, because she's like not that young. She was like 10. She could definitely talk. Yeah, you know? but I also, um, no one else talked. So I, I guess I kind of viewed it as like she, for the last like 20, 20 years or so, she never really needed to talk because no one else talked. So it was kind of like forgetting how to speak and like coming back to it. But mm-hmm. I don't remember the windpipe mm-hmm. thing. So. The weird, the weirdest, um, the weirdest thing to me about that movie is that the twist is pretty obvious, but I didn't like, I didn't see it coming at all. You get so distracted by other stuff that I never saw that coming. And that's what makes it still a really great twist. I think you guys guess that that was going to happen at the end. You were sorry. The twist at the end of the movie when it it, it turns out that she swapped places. Yeah. It it becomes a bit more obvious as, as you you get along, but, but, uh, They do a yes. lot of good, good small foreshadowing yeah. to that. Literally. Yeah, because isn't the first like the first sequence, like as a girl, she she goes in the like mirror kind of place, and then that's when she mm-hmm. sort of that's where like the switch happens or something like that. Is that? Yeah, yeah. Like she, like she yeah. swaps places, and then turns out that the mom you're watching the whole time is the right. the tethered, and oh, tethered. Uh, that's she good. like like mm. yeah tethered yeah. I don't know the significance of the bunny rabbits. I don't understand. Like, they clearly there's a big theme in there because, like, the, all the tethered have to eat rabbit. Yeah. Like, that's all they eat the whole time. Peasant food. But, oh, no, wait, I didn't understand. I didn't understand, but then my girlfriend made a really good comment. I'm so happy I watched it with her. She was like, oh, it's like going down the, uh, uh, through the looking glass. Down like the rabbit Alice hole. Holland, going through oh, the, like, rabbit hole. Dilly. Uh, yeah down the rabbit hole and i was like oh that's interesting that's pretty good i probably doesn't need to mean more than that either it's just like a cool little yeah, thing that's, that's like a good point i guess i know. kind of viewed it as like rabbits a lot of times are like the animal that get experimented on and i feel like for cloning and stuff you see like in movies sometimes that they are the ones that like what the first attempt at cloning happens to them so like i don't know these rabbits were all like cloned and like in the same building so they're just like yeah rabbits for breakfast lunch and dinner baby <laughs> brian do you know brian do you know why it's uh like i don't understand how it's related to class if i'm honest i haven't watched any videos on it do you know does, does anybody know actually how that's related i watched to class? this video on it uh, after i first watched it like last year two years ago i don't fully remember but i think if i i feel like it had to do with like <clears throat> the the tethered are just supposed to be like they can never surface to the top and they be and it's a similar thing to like the lower class like they are always prevented and blocked from rising up in the ranks and like becoming middle class becoming upper class all that stuff uh and it, i guess in the way they had a lot of ambition um to do that finally from they found a way to do it and then they started to do it and they're still you know they're not getting accepted into it granted they also want to kill everybody so there's that but um oh yeah it just had to do with the their the the tethered are continuously being like repressed and forced out from joining everybody else when they they really could have 
but no one wanted them to. Which is pretty accurate because in my mm. experience as a lower class bloke, I do too want to kill everybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think that one, man, like is from just a just a um, film perspective, not even like reading into it. The acting in that is fucking amazing. Yeah, because every person has to have a like has to do two roles and be completely different, mm. you know, for their second role. It's a really cool act, like uh, thing to see, like just playing the same person but completely different and super good at it. Almost like having to be scared at yourself, right? Like, you know, because each one of them is actually the most scared of their other version, mm. but that's just the same person playing it. Mm. So then they have to kind of just scare the shit out of themselves, and that's quite hard to do. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's really really cool. I, I like that uh, that movie specifically for the acting i think the most because i i don't actually see the the connection to class as easily uh you know i mean i i do believe it's there i I think that's the point but i didn't even i didn't really read that when i first saw it but the acting in there is just on just amazing yeah i feel like this us the lighthouse and hereditary have like the cream of the crop of acting and horror just like performance wise and all the other ones are very good too but you don't take away the acting from a lot of those as you would for the other three. I was gonna, I was gonna say like Tony Collette in Hereditary, like the her performance is just in- incredible in that. And like you know the scene where I think it's the scene at the funeral you know, where the kind of camera kind of goes down and goes into the ground and she's just like on the floor kind of wailing. It's it's like yeah. it really like just terrifies it. It's like that kind of scream. It's really kind of cuts through you. That movie's so fucked up. Mm-hmm. That I can't watch her in other movies without being scared. <laughs> yeah, like, I saw out. her in knives in knives out. I was like, fucking hell, man. I can't like I saw her in a romantic comedy <laughs> with Julie, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus and um Tony Soprano, James Gandolfini, and she was in there as like the Australian best friend, and I couldn't handle it. <laughs> like, that was even with that, her that, even with her Australian accent. <laughs> dude. Dude, is she? I, anything with her now, I get freaked out immediately. Like the like, I imagine her just in the corner, uh, on the wall or something, or like crawling around. <laughs> Have you seen um? But that that uh, I'm thinking of ending things. She's kind of got no, like the, a, oh, no, I've the Charlie to see that. the Charlie Kaufman. That's another one which is again requires several watches to sort of grasp what's going on. But her performance is kind of similar in that where. It's just I'm not gonna watch it now. I heard I remember hearing her laugh in the trailer and that made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it's that unsettling is it the kind of dinner table scene, isn't it? Yeah, all, yeah, yeah, it's really a dinner table scene in hereditary, you mean? No, no, sorry, in uh, I'm thinking of anything. Yeah, it's a oh well similar ties. Now I wanted to talk also about the, the dinner scene in hereditary because that's when I think her performance shines like crazy. Yeah, like yeah. that like blowout towards her son is mm-hmm. fucking cr- just unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. But it's so it's so that relationship between the son and her that they like bring out is so terrifying, you know. Like you, I'm all, always on the side of Tony Collette in the movie when it starts out. Like every time, like I think that like, you know, like her daughter died, her mom died, she had a rough upbringing, and then it comes to the point where she says, "I sleepwalk and goes through the paint thinner bullshit," and immediately it swaps. Like then I'm no longer on her side anymore, and like everything she does after that moment when you find out. She has some weird internal desire to like burn her children. Oh my God, dude. Awful. I couldn't talk to my mom for a while. 
after that. <laughs> well, if she wants to burn children, my mom's got to be wanting to burn children too. <laughs> yeah, because her kids were pretty good. I'm a, I, I, when I was a teenager, I was a fucked up little guy. So, I mean, I'm a bit more worried. that Those kids barely did anything to deserve that. I've done a lot for my mom maybe to just just hold the match. Just hold the match. Well, you know, Dylan, be, if you're right, a, when you come home and you see paint thinner in the basement, you should probably leave. <laughs> Jaws I made, Jaws made the... Dad. I was going to say, huh? Jaws made the sea scary and Hereditary makes mum yeah. scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, absolutely. Yo, you know, actually, speaking of Jaws, I don't want to get off topic, but you know what I just found out they do in uh, in San Diego? They um, they have a festival where they show Jaws in the middle of the night in a fucking harbor oh, nice. and you get like a pool donut and you can nah. sit in the ocean and watch it in the middle of the night on the water yeah, I and i want oh man, man. i want to do that so badly why come on because that's the only way to make jaws scary again oh, i know i every time i go in the sea my head just plays those two notes like that's what puts me off going <laughs> out my depth in the ocean like it doesn't matter where i am it just starts playing in my head that's enough yeah that's i mean I saw that when I was way too young, and that also just freaked me out with the ocean. I like being on boats, mm-hmm. but I, I don't want to. I moment I get in the water, I'm I can get really scared. I was 11 years old in Hawaii with my really fat uncle on a jet ski, and he did a he did a like whip turn, but he's massively fat, and uh, he did a whip turn, and I flew off the jet ski in the middle of the ocean and like skipped across the water. And I came, I surfaced screaming like a bitch, like just like <laughs> screaming, already scared. And people already thought I was being attacked because I was like, already, I was that fucking terrified. <laughs> it was shark week and I was in Hawaii. It was a terrible combination. Oh my God. Oh my God. Terrible. I tried watching, uh, tried watching Hereditary with my dad and he just fell asleep. So the first time I saw How? him, he How was, do you just, fall asleep he was just snoring. <laughs> uh, he can fall asleep to anything. Man. Dads have a weird power he of didn't. doing that. Mm. Huh. <laughs> it's called static hypnosis <laughs> do you guys think this was something else i was really thinking about a lot of these movies have female leads and like the scream queen is very common like in in horror right that goes back to like even the 70s hmm. do you think there's a particular reason for that past um the fact that like you can almost like i don't want to i don't want to say that like it, they're more vulnerable. I feel like that's kind of the idea back in like the seventies with like Halloween, for instance, like babysitters, like were vulnerable to like, you know, whatever. Hmm. But do you think that's why they do it in these movies or it just like lends itself better for storytelling? I think it kind of depends in a way. Cause when you think about like the witch, like obviously for the, in order for that plot to work, it would need to be like a teenage girl from that era who is getting intertwined with this witchcraft. Um, and then for Midsummer, I've, you know, there's always like a common thing about uh, women and their roles in cults and religion and whatnot. So another thing where it's like, in order for this story to really take like a good effect and have a good central character, it would need to be a woman who could be like this May queen or like, or like a sacrifice of sorts and all that. Um, however, for Hereditary, I don't know. I guess she, she just uh, came from a family of some fucked up cult people as well. <laughs> I, th- I think 
um, when you look sort of like historically, when you look into sort of occult stuff and sort of obviously stuff to do with witches, women are traditionally sort of demonized and they're often, you know, for one reason or another, portrayed to, to have had some sort of sinister influence um and, and and are sort of painted as villains so it's it's kind of well not really but <laughs> in terms of sort of like the witch it, it's sort of flipping that on its head a little bit and and with midsummer um right. they are sort of you know involved with this dark evil sort of stuff but they're, they're at the same time they've still got that sort of innocence of 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 sort of young women and it's it is sort of flipping that narrative a little bit so i, f- I find that quite interesting yeah it's also interesting like the, the actual history of <clears throat> that whole thing as well because I, I think the witch is set like 50 years before like the you know the witch trials that kind of were happening at the mm-hmm. time which is just like you know another horrific part of history where people actually you know genuinely believe this stuff and were you know people being burnt at the stake women were being burnt at the stake and, and drowned and things it was just insane like mm-hmm. it's so terrifying <laughs> like just as a there was a lot of there was actually a lot of dudes as well that were burnt oh really and, uh, yeah yeah a lot of guys that were uh, um i think majority women but it was still a lot of guys that right. were being accused of witchcraft oh, okay which would have been also kind of interesting to like look into mm. but i i agree for those two movies specifically i think it really it lends to the type of storytelling because yeah. it's like very um not traditional but like in midsummer it's like this crazy old tradition where they pick like a may queen and it it it, it works better to that effect mm. and the same with the witch like it's the the vulnerability of thomason and like how her family essentially just like self-prophesizes that she'll become a witch yeah right? like it's it's really the, the family's fault that she goes down that path because they leave her no other option yeah right. and i think it's really important that it was her yeah um she saw and at the time too like they were gonna s- Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, well, I was, I was just going to say she's sort of ostracized from a whole family because they all sort of, they're all so entwined with that thinking that she is going to become a witch, that she's sort of pushed out by a family. And then when it gets to the end, she sort of finds a new family, but it's all yeah. Yeah. witches. So that, I was going to say, that's the sort of tie I see with the witch hereditary in Midsummer is like the sort of, all those endings in those films have this kind of like cathartic, like it's almost like a happy ending in like the most disturbing sense of it, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you know, like the witch is like the, what well, the last shot is her kind of like levitating and smiling where it's like, you know, and the same with Danny in, in Midsummer, where it's like the first, one of the first times you kind of see her really happy is like at that ending when she's watching her boyfriend get burnt inside a bear. Like it's, yeah, it's, that's oh why it's God. so, it's just, yeah, it's really, I don't God know. Because <laughs> Because a lot of people were saying to Ariasta, like, is it a happy ending? And he was kind of going, obviously not. Like, it's not a happy ending. But, you know, it's you know, the way it's presented, it makes people sort of, is it meant to be a happy ending? Um, that's but, that's an interesting read that, like, the three of those actually do end happy in a twisted way. So yeah. different from a traditional horror film. Like, I would say Jordan Peele's movies end pretty traditionally how I expect horror films. And horror yeah. films, it's either, like, they they like defeat the evil mm-hmm. or they everybody dies that's like kind of your two yeah, options yeah yeah and in those movies it's kind of different because everybody dies 
I guess, not everybody, but like most people. Mm. And it ends in a way that like makes you feel weirdly optimistic in this, like in this, this trajectory. Like, obviously not. Like you just said, like, obviously it's not a happy end. And yeah. it ends optimistically, like a new yeah. path for these people to follow. Yeah, but they, it kind of ties in what they were running from. Yeah. And yeah. it sort of ties in with the idea of like cults and that manipulation and brainwashing people where you're actually like finishing the film thinking, oh, maybe it was a like a good thing then. Like, you know, maybe she's actually got a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Maybe it would be so bad. And you're like, no, no, but what have I just seen in the previous two hours yeah. <laughs> has led up to that? <laughs> and the last five minutes, I'm like, oh, maybe it is all right. You know, so it's that sort of brainwash thing kind of coming back again. <laughs> Everyone's died, but it's turned out all right for them. So you yeah, can, kind yeah. of like, ah, oh, well, they've had a pretty shitty time too. So you kind of don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve yeah. a break. Yeah. Put a flower gown on. It's, give her the crown. <laughs> this might be a really, this might be a really bad read. So tell me if you guys don't see it this way. But I was just thinking, like with Hereditary specifically, you go through like an hour and a half of just awful shit, mm. and then there's ten minutes of just true fucking torture. Yeah, like everybody I tell that movie, tell them to go see that movie. I'm like, there's about a good ten to fifteen minutes where it's really gonna hurt. Like, cause for it's a visceral reaction that I get. Like, it really fucks me up. Mm. But then it ends optimistically, and it ends like in that the same vein where like he like payment is born and like everyone's worshiping him and it ends in this weirdly like happy place mm. and it's almost like like maybe it's a weird pull but the, mimicking that birth like a shit ton of agony and pain into then being optimistic with the future like a, a new person's born yeah very like very fucked up for te- like are you are you trying long. to say the whole movie was basically symbolism for childbirth <laughs> yeah it's labor that's what <laughs> i was <saying. laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Oh my god! all the bad things happening. Look, man, I think I have a pretty good grasp on what it's like to birth a child, (laughs) and I'm sure it's quite similar to how painful hereditary is at the end. As a a fellow mother, I agree. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking, man, like the the second time I watched The Witch, though, the character I thought was the most interesting now was the father, Brian. Me and you were talking about the dad, like. Like his sin. So all the family's sinning, right? Isn't that the point? Like they're all like mm. committing a different sin uh, because of Black Phillip. And um, the father is most interesting to me because I was telling Brian, apparently his sin is prideful vanity. I think it's called. Yeah. And that's, and that's so, that's fucking interesting, man. Because that's like, you are so in love with yourself for how fucking devout you are to Christianity that you have actually started worshiping yourself mm. instead of worshiping God. And there's a lot of fucking shit in there on the, uh, with the dad doing that. And the second time I re- watched it, it was really cool because that's such a weird sin. That's a really interesting sin, I think, to like look it's at. Sort of like just just having the appearance of being like godly as opposed to actually being godly. It's it's sort of it's a really weird sort of concept. It's like he's not actually that bothered about his how devout he is as long as he sort of appears to be. To, exactly to, to, he's to, so and that's why they get kicked out of the village which i didn't realize so the second time watching i was really interested in that like he's so fucking proud that he wouldn't admit to his sin and they had to leave the village and go live out in the woods mm. yeah what i found actually really cool is that there's a lot of shots in that film of him like you know like doing this kind of manual work like cutting like chopping logs basically a lot of the time and i can't claim this is my own but i think i was just like it was like a youtube comment and someone 
on like that that scene where kind of said how he dies obviously gets attacked by the the goat doesn't he um yeah, yeah. and then there's like logs kind of crush him and someone kind of summed up was like oh it's like he's being crushed by his own pride sort of thing because he's been doing that for the so many shots yeah. of him just yeah. like you know working all this time and it's he's not he's not laying out and yeah which i thought was really cool actually like you know yeah crushed by I, logs I, but, I think i right. saw that i i thought um I think I see the, saw the same video and that mm. yeah once you see that like again like we were saying like listening to a video to help break down things just see it in different ways really mm. cool but it changes my perspective that's why I was so interested going into it again looking more at the father's character and like the scene where he's like giving grace and he looks like Jesus at the oh, yeah. last supper yeah yeah shit like that that you start to pick up on it's mm -hmm. really cool man what was what was the mom's sin was it like envy or something like envy against her daughter they never went into that, but I'm curious. So what do you guys think? I, I think I think it was because, like, her little brother, it's like lust, isn't it? Because he's sort of like lo yeah, lusting af lust. after his sister. Naughty mm. boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, uh, there's what I don't know what the other little kid is. I can't quite remember. Think, there's the two twins are just there, spawns they? of the devil because they fucking yeah. horrified me and I hated them. Yeah, <laughs> like right from the off when they're singing like the little songs about. The goat. I just, yeah. I just wanted to drown them for, for fucking <laughs> for fucking weeks after black film to fucking headbutt them thirty yards away. <laughs> Dude, for fucking weeks after watching that first time, Simon, the other guy that was supposed to be on this podcast, um, me and him would just keep whispering back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, like that that whole imagery with the goat. Yeah, I just, I, I love that man. Like the goat is. And they got such a crazy looking goat. Mm. Like, I don't know where they found that fucking thing, but that was a mental looking goat. And I love the shots of like him, like then walking behind her, like turning into the devil was so cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's yeah, a scene with like the rabbit as well, wasn't there? Where they, he oh goes to God, shoot the rabbit and it kind of it backfires. And that again, yeah. it sort of ties in. Apparently that is like a sort of, that was a thing that rabbits were associated with like witchcraft in some way or something like really? that really yeah yeah so it's almost like that that is the witch that rabbit kind of thing and she just can the cr morph that one i forgot that one had some like actually genuine scary moments mm. i'd say like if we wanted to get into like which ones are like the scariest obviously we've talked probably the most about hereditary and everyone should be terrified of that one. <laughs> but this one this one had some seriously also eerie fucking moments yeah. like all the witch shit like the old make, naked chunks like, yeah <laughs> when they're all grimy looking and eating fucking babies and chopping them up yeah the the mom with like the dream and the crow oh yeah that was, oh, oh my yeah. god that was awful dude. that's why she never breastfeed awful. <laughs> awful oh my god oh well, here's a here's a fun fact the actress who plays the witch her first mm -hmm. name is bathsheba that's a fucking witch name right yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that her name in the movie or is that her name in real That's life? That's her name in real life. Bathsheba. Bathsheba Garnett. Oh wow. my god. I I was so she scared can, of that trailer. She can trailer. float. That's safe to say. I was so scared of that trailer. That was another like Gerald's game for me. It took me two years to work up the courage to watch it. And I finally watched it when I was living in Sydney because I thought I can't get further away than the woods of New England than I am right now. Like I'm in the city. It's totally fine. There's no witches in in, in the Australia. But that fucking it's actually it wasn't as bad. 
but they do it does have some seriously fucking crazy moments man like all the the weird witch shit with the mm. baby like the first stuff that comes in mm. the whole film's just really really fucking bleak like it's yeah like, yep. everything's just gray and dark brown and, and the whole thing's just sort of like a a joyless watch like that there's there's no colors at any point there's no sort of like visual stimulation it's all just like bleak depressing old time (laughs) from the the first shot they just said you know you're fucked yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that one is that one is one of those that also sticks with you like the other ones i could get over kind of quickly you know, even like we haven't talked about any of the extra movies either, but even like it, it can scare me. But then I get out of that space really fast. Yeah. The witch, like afterwards, it lingers, man. Like it was I was sitting uh, I was uh, with my girlfriend afterwards and like any little noise would freak me out. Like I would hear something outside and I'd be like, oh, OK, hold on one sec. Like, literally stop conversation. Just be like, wait. Was that a witch? What was that? Just have to check the whole time. <laughs> yeah, there's there's goats in the Netherlands, man. There's a lot of goats over here. I get a bit worried, you know. Oh, you there? But that one was that one really did stick me. What do you guys think ranking wise? Which one was like the most fun to watch? The most the most to unpack, and you'd want to see again? Ooh, Midsummer for me was the one that that stuck with me for the longest. Yeah. I think, um, just because there was a lot to sort of digest i guess was that way um but i say like best rank is like what i deem you know the best what, what would you recommend if you're someone if you had to recommend recommend one because like most of the time people aren't going to watch six movies yeah so yeah this one you should see i'd probably go with hereditary then i'd say yeah. as like if you're looking for a more you know it's kind of straight up obvious horror movie than a non-obvious sense it's like that would be yeah the best starting one i think good choice totally I'd I'd probably say, I don't know, I I like films like like we mentioned earlier, um, where you can watch it another two or three times, and every single time you'll pick up a new little detail or something yeah, yeah. in the background that you didn't notice. And I found as a rewatch Midsummer, uh, pretty recently, there was loads and loads of stuff that I didn't pick up on the first time watching through even the little sequences where they're all doing like mushrooms and stuff there's like faces in in the like woods and the trees that you kind of don't pick up on but there's like very really? obvious like faces and stuff oh yeah i remember those faces you're making me want to go and rewatch it now again i'm pretty um, sure also if you go on youtube you can find someone who's picked out all those bits for you if you want a condensed version of that you know everything you nah, 10 things you missed watch, man. i want to go i want to i would have to have watch a it. i want to sherlock holmes head on and a little magnifying glass watching <laughs> well this is this is why this is why i like talking about these things man because you can talk to someone that notices something different as well and then you want to go rewatch mm. them you've seen them a bunch of times um yeah so after this call you're gonna say to your girlfriend hey i want to go watch midsummer again look midsummer for all the dicks again. we gotta find all the dicks okay i'm really into that right now there's a dick in every shot <laughs> <laughs> I'm I feeling me, phallic be... today, babe. <laughs> I think I'd say the lighthouse for me, but I know like the lighthouse is one of those ones where I'm I don't think a lot of people are gonna actually like it. If you're not a film fan, you probably yeah. won't appreciate how amazing that movie is and how much there is to just unpack from that. Mm. Um I also like as a recommendation to anyone listening to the podcast is 
I watched it on a tiny screen because it's old style, right? So it actually, it's better on like a really tiny little uh, screen. So I have a tiny TV in my room and I watched it pitch black, tiny screen and with headphones because when you watch these movies with headphones, you, you don't have any noise coming from anywhere else. So you're very much into what's going on. And I think with horror movies, uh, that's really important because mm. this, a lot of the sound design and like the, 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 uh, sound effects and music really kind of add to the atmosphere so yeah. for the lighthouse that was an amazing the music experience. the that music the foghorn really drags you back into it if you're like even if you're zoning out you hear that and you're like Whoa. yeah i was gonna that's yeah. what i was gonna say that that even just like yeah the big the big foghorns they that sort of drone quite often throughout yeah they really really unsettled me they did i don't i don't know why but it was just like a it it becomes like it's like a torture <laughs> thing man like just constantly bringing back in that space and the sirens like uh or the mermaids mm. uh like when that first scene where he goes into the water and you see her and she's got that crazy scream that to me is honestly the best scream uh since um since lord of the rings with the ring rates <laughs> for me well yeah like that's a big yeah. statement, man. <laughs> fucking amazing. Dude, I'm telling you. Put the headphones on, listen to it again. Like, it's the best sound effects scream since uh, The Ring Raids and Lord of the Rings. And that's my my favorite movie, so. Brian, what about you? Which one do you recommend? Um, I think, I think like you, Dylan, I recommend The Lighthouse to anyone who's just, like, a big film buff and, you know, not looking for the traditional horror, but trying to find something that is just phenomenal performance and just very like psychologically crazy and just in for like a hell of a trip it's just certainly not for anyone like i wouldn't go around recommending it to everyone because i know not everyone would like it especially the yeah. seagull scene like even i can't stomach that um <laughs> but then after that to all the all the normies out there i feel like i gotta go with <laughs> midsummer that movie i still i haven't rewatched that movie yet i only i watched it two years ago and i still think about it so I gotta I gotta yeah. throw that one as like the top recommendation. Mm. Yeah, and honestly, I would just say to anybody who's listening to, you should watch all of these. We're definitely yeah. <laughs> not the first person to do a podcast on these movies because they're so amazing. But I think it's safe to say, like these movies, even if you come away not liking them as much as the four of us do, um, you can really appreciate the amount of fucking work that goes into these. Like Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, and Robert Edgers are unbelievably good at this but they put so much work into it like you can't just write midsummer you have mm. to do research like 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 read books for lighthouse that they, they read all of uh him uh, eggers and his brother read all herman melville stuff um they like got a bunch of like i guess old poems from that time like nautical poems like women uh from this i guess woman in new hampshire i forget her name i need to research that and they just started learning the lingo Cause you can't just write, you can't just like show up to your computer and be like, all right, right. Let's write like a Shakespearean fucking monologue with like nautical terms in there. Like that doesn't work. Like these guys just put so much dedication into their films and it really pays off. Absolutely. And mm -hmm. same with the witch though, too, that had, had to have done um, the same thing for that to get all that. Like, um, I can't remember the right term for like that type of, that type like, of English, like law, like kind of like Puritan, law. yeah, yeah Puritan, Puritan, Puritan English, yeah. They used journals from the time, like witch trial journals, mm. like people who like they got old texts and stuff. It was crazy. I, they, he puts those like 
I don't know if they're disclaimers, but he puts those notes in the credits, like where, like yeah. where they picked up all this lingo. He did it. I remember that I read that it's, in the lighthouse at the end, and I think they did it the same with the witch too. Like, or what inspired it anyway? Yeah, I really wanted you just give credit to those three guys for I think taking a horror into a new genre or a new like a new place that it it just wasn't at before. There's only one horror movie that ever won Best Picture. Which is Silence of the Lambs in I think 1991, but like these guys, they make ones that are just like uh, Get Out one best uh, screenplay. Like these movies are just so amazing, and for non horror fans, I still recommend them. Like they're Absolutely. great. Yeah, I feel like with particularly with Ari Aster for me, like I see a lot of like Kubrick in the sort of the shots. You know, there's a lot of time. Yeah. There's not how how the films edited. Probably why they're all quite long. You know, because it's just these taking the time just to be like, no, just stare at this shot for 30 seconds where it's just panning. It's and so the, gorgeous. Though, yeah. Like yeah. Them, you know, but that's I think that's like with Kubrick where you've got these kind of like gradual zoom, zoom in on like someone's face, you know, whatever. And mm -hmm. I feel like it just really adds to the eeriness of like, you know, the film. And the absolutely. Story. Yeah, absolutely. They're making I people give appreciate also, horror again, which is. Nice. Yeah. I want to give credit also to all the other like fucking horror filmmakers that we didn't talk about. You know, like I was I was telling Brian, like John Krasinski, you got Jordan Peele from a comedy background mm. and John Krasinski from a comedy background. And it turns out comedians are very, very dark <laughs> sometimes. And like they can make <laughs> awesome horror films. Yeah. But I don't yeah. know, like if you guys ever saw It Follows. Oh, it also man. a great one from a couple yeah, years ago. That's a great film. Fuck fucking amazing, man. And um, that's another one uh, that stays. Yeah, in it really does. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ironically. Um, uh, whenever I hear like a synth based like ambient song I think of it follows mm. it's also very reminiscent of the 80s man like when you watch it like it, if you look at the cover and everything it's just very 80s heavy like trying to emulate those old horror films Yeah, uh, it's anachronistic like they don't actually tell what time period is in and a lot of shit they use is kind of like from different time periods mm. but Micah Monroe man is she was dubbed Scream Queen for that film but there's another great one called The Guest with her and that's a very kind of like um, Terminator-esque type horror film. It's fucking awesome. Mm. If, you, uh, if you'd like to yeah, follow it, I would really recommend that. But yeah, man, just like this, like the last 10 years, I'd say we have some of the fucking awesome best horror movies I've ever seen since like The Shining that you can Absolutely. go and like really, Absolutely. really get into the genre with, man. Yeah. Uh, even Mandy. You guys see Mandy? Oh, yeah. Is that the Nicolas Cage? Yep. Yeah. yeah I'm not actually seen that. That no. movie is fucking nuts. You should... It is the Actually, his new one. Go ahead, bro. His new one. No. Uh, uh, um. Yeah. Sorry. His new one. Uh. Color out of space. Oh, that one's a, good too. That one is a originally a book from um Lovecraft. What's that guy's name? Um. Uh. And Lovecraft had tr created an H.P. Yeah. Lovecraft. And he uh, created like a different type of horror. It's called like, Lovecraftian, really weird imagery. And that's where they get all the weird imagery from for most of these movies. Like uh, Lighthouse is very Lovecraftian horror. So I do want to actually go and watch Color Out of Space and like kind of see that one too and see if it looks cool comparatively to what they, they're doing with these movies. Have you seen yeah, Color man, Too many horror movies to watch. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, it is a, that is a wild ride too, just like Mandy. Yeah? Yeah. Nicholas, that I guess then Nicholas Cage just goes bonkers in both. 
that, that's what he's paid to do. Class, classic right. cage. That's when overacting is <laughs> yeah. like prime. Please, okay. As as a final note, then on the podcast for like as a recommendation, watch these movies. But then afterwards, go enjoy some Nick Cage horror films because you got Mandy, which is great. Uh, it's also the last score done by Johan Johansson before he passed away. Uh, rest in peace. And Colorado Space. And then the last one, Willie's Wonderland. Where oh. He beats up a bunch of animatronic toys. <laughs> and says and, like, nothing. And he has zero <laughs> and lines. says not a single word. Whole movie. It's not so a single fucking word. Good. Oh. It's amazing. And it's amazing. My favorite thing about it is like this. You can already, you can tell off the bat that Nick Cage's character is just a fucking whack job. Because he's there <laughs> mopping the floors and all of a sudden the first animatronic thing comes out. And he's not scared. He's not like, what the fuck? He's just like... I'm going to kill this fucking thing. And he goes, <laughs> he's so nonchalant about the fact that there's an animatronic ostrich trying to kill him. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys watch those three movies, you give us a call and we'll do another podcast and talk about those three ones. Yeah, nice. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah.